The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke chapter 12, beginning at the 32nd verse. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, you give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no grief comes near and no moth destroys. For your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Be dressed for action and have your lamps lit. Be like those who are waiting for their master return from the wedding banquet, so that they may open the door for him as soon as he comes and knocks. Blessed are those slaves who the master finds alert when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will fasten his belt and have them sit down to eat. He will come and serve them. If he comes during the middle of the night or near dawn and finds them so, blessed are those slaves. But know this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an expected hour. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Loving God, may the words that come from our mouths make sense because they are inspired by your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, This isn't the usual format that we use uh, for our Sunday sermons, um, but we've, we've done this a number of times, but not for a little while. We call this church chat. Started as chapel chat when we used to do it over inside in our chapel, but we're doing church chat. And uh, we thought it was a, a good idea, I mean, a good way of pivoting from one theme into the next. And it was actually Mary Ann's idea, so I thought I'd ask her the first question. <laughs> the beginning of um, the uh, gospel reading that Alex just read for us says, Do not be afraid. I'm interested to know if there's anything you're afraid of, Mary Ann. Well, if you'd asked me that 20 years ago, I would have said mice, definitely. I no longer would have said confined spaces, but I'm doing really well with that. And um, would have said conflict, but I'm not afraid of conflict anymore. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. I think I can say that probably not fearful of a lot. Great. Well, we, that's How why about you? I'm not afraid of anything. Maybe a little bit afraid of failure, is, is, if I'm honest. Um, yeah. Well, the, in the passage um, just before today's reading is that lovely piece. Um, Jesus is saying, we're not to worry about what we eat or wear. Look at the lilies of the field and the birds of the air. Look how God clothes them and provides for them. So we're not to worry. And yet, in our world today, there is quite a bit to be concerned about Um, and we kind of live in an age of anxiety. So how do we deal with that in the light of today's reading? Yeah, I think um, when we look around us and we hear people talk, certainly anxiety, um, you could almost say is epidemic 
in our in the world in we we live, and it's something that I know I personally uh, wrestle with all the time. How do I um, not worry, or at least how do I look like I'm not getting worried? Um, and, and I'm always reminded of a pattern that um, Leanne, my wife, and I uh, developed, um, particularly while we were at theological college. And I do credit Leanne for the majority of this inspiration. Uh, but all around us um, was chaos. Um, our theological college was just about to close and people were getting really anxious and quite angry um, at that time too. And we sat down and we, we walked through the situation and we had a realisation that, um, for those of you who don't know, theological students are probably the least of all in the kingdom of God. Um, uh, and nobody really considers theological uh, college students. Um, and, and I actually realised as we were talking that that was actually quite empowering for us to realise our place, that a lot of the, what was going on, we couldn't actually influence or change. There were decisions made above us um, uh, that we had no say in, even though it did affect us. And so we made the decision to actively think about the things that God had given, given us that we could influence and we could control and we could have impact in. And those were the things that we tried to invest our time in it, and particularly our emotional energy in. And the things that we couldn't directly influence or impact, yes, we should be praying for those and, and doing our small bit, but when I think about it, the majority of things that we do worry about and we get anxious about are the things that we really can't influence, uh, the things that I personally can't do anything about. And if all that energy went, actually went into affecting and thinking and being responsible for the things that God's entrusted us to, I think that that might really make a difference in how anxiety can dominate our life. Mm. So paying attention to one another and just giving, giving time and attention one another so that we have a space to talk about what we might be con what our concerns might be um, but in constructive ways rather than being fearful of in in unhealthy ways um, it seems too that we the me this is probably a space in which we need to hold the media to account in small ways and, and one thing that we can do is is make our own choices about how we engage with uh, the things that we hear and the way that we consider them and, and choose to be informed so that our concerns are, are well-grounded or well-informed rather than being anxious about uh, things that perhaps not be entirely grounded in reality. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly praying fervently for what's going on in our world at the moment. Mm, mm. But prayer, and I know prayer is powerful, but I can't change world leaders' minds. And I can't change situations. But God has placed me and you uh, in leadership roles in the life of the church. Um, but that does come with a sense of worry sometimes. Is there anything that you're worried about in the life of our church? I guess to be really honest, I guess it's a concern for all of us that um, young families, or we haven't got the numbers of families that we had prior to COVID, and families have found other ways that might 
serve their needs or it's just become more convenient. There are, there's a whole range of reasons why we don't have a church full of families as, as we might have three or four years ago. So that that's something to be concerned about, but it's, it's a really wonderful challenge, actually, to put our minds to how do we engage with people where they're at rather than expecting people to come to us? How do we engage with people where we're at? How do we open up conversations and hear their stories and hear about what's, of, what's concerning them so that we might um, bring what the church has to offer and, and put the, take God's mission where people are? Yeah, I, and I said at the beginning that, that I do have a fear of failure and that is honest and raw. Um, and part of the last few years, and I think it's something that every church leader has wrestled with, but uh, I want to be honest and say that it was something that I wrestled with regularly, um, that sense of failure, um, that at the start of 2020, we probably had 60 or 70 kids walk out the door at the start of the service off to their kids' church programs, and people are worshipping in different ways and different patterns, and the numbers aren't the same in the building and I can rationalise that in my own mind and think, well, yeah, but if I add back all the online watches, we had somebody watching from Greenland this morning. <laughs> like, how good is that? <laughs> uh, somebody regularly, a couple regularly watch from Perth. Um, there's a community in and around Bundaberg that regularly watch. Um, people watch later in the week. And if you add all those up, we've got way more people connecting each week than we did at the beginning of 2020. But... Still, I had to wrestle with, but I, I don't know who some of those people are because they don't always identify themselves on the online chat. And they, are they just faceless people? Are they some of those families uh, that I used to worship in the way that they, they did a, a few years ago? Are they new people? Is that exciting? Uh, so I've had to almost reimagine what success looks like and I hope in that reimagining where I've landed is a much more godly way that, yes, success can be measured in numbers, but God's economy isn't the world's economy. And God isn't interested in just packing out rooms and, and having the, the status of being the, the largest Anglican church in southern Queen. Queensland, or the southern region of southern Queensland, which we still are, ironically. <laughs> um, uh, but, but, yeah, I think one of the things that has happened in, in the last few years, um, I think I've always been good at showing that on the outside that things inside are getting to me. But what I've tried to do is become a non-anxious presence in the midst of the chaos of the world, it doesn't mean that I haven't had my moments of crying out to God, God, where are you? What's going on? Have I failed? Are we doing the right thing? But we both realised as we were talking the other day that one of the fruits of grace is being able to be that non-anxious presence in the world. Mm. Yes. <laughs> I was going to say something and it's gone because I was listening intently to what you were saying and got very caught up 
in what you were saying because I um, agree very much. I know what I was going to say, and I am going to say it because when you were talking, and then I got caught up in what you were saying, that um, when I was thinking about this question yesterday, just running it through my mind, I thought something else that I think I... It's not a worry, but I think that um, being Anglican isn't... can be confusing for some people. I think that that, and that we welcome a breadth of theologies, that we welcome a breadth of worship styles. I think that can be confusing. And yet for me, that's something to really celebrate. And I think when we compare ourselves perhaps to the way that some other um, Christian gatherings worship, that actually that's not healthy. We don't need to do that because it's, um, it's not about numbers necessarily it's about how how we are faithful to God's mission as this community and how we connect and care for one another in this space and how we work together with um, the whole the wider Christian church but we don't hold back from being Anglican and and celebrate that rather than it being something to worry about. Stuart I'm just wondering would there by any chance be anything that you treasure? There's lots of things I treasure. I've got lots of guitars that I could point to to say that I treasure those. Um, The one thing particularly that I am treasuring right at the moment is the pair of shoes that I'm wearing. Um, um, I actually have more shoes than I have guitars, which um, maybe is too many of both, maybe. I think I've got a new thing to worry about. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's right. these shoes that I'm wearing uh, were actually designed by my children uh, for my 50th birthday. And they've actually, on the side, they've got a five and a zero, just to remind me how old I am. Um, uh, but um, I really treasure them because um, I, I just love that night when they sat down at the Nike website and, and picked the colours and, and came up with the design. Um, I think I got final say, but I'm not sure it was much of a final say. Um, but I, I remember getting the box in the mail um, and opening them up and, and just thinking to myself, I, I'd really love just to put them away so that they didn't get damaged. Um, because I know what happens with shoes. Um, they get scuffed and dirty. And actually, I discovered this morning that I think there's a bit of chewing gum on the bottom <laughs> of this one. Um, but part of, I think, the godly way of using our treasure is to put it at risk and expose it to the elements. Um, yeah, so my shoes. What about you? Is there anything that you treasure? Well, we get to enjoy them too. You do, so you do. It's a far more generous way to... Um, <laughs> yeah, there are lots of things I treasure. I've probably gathered, gathered bits and pieces that my kids made when they were little. They're treasures. Um, but something that I do treasure that has a bit of a story is... Um, is a ring that I wear. When, I, when Brad and I were engaged, um, I was a physiotherapy student working at Westmead Hospital and he was working in Toowoomba and I wanted something that I could just wear to work because technically I really needed to remove whatever I was wearing. But it, it, so it was a, a tiny little band, but it, that was our engagement ring and, um, and so I could wear it to work. But as the decades have gone by, we had a conversation um, that we'd probably come to a time in our lives where we'd probably reinvented our marriage, would be fair to say. 
and we journeyed through a lot of tough stuff. Um, and so we did buy a new ring, and uh, I love it. But rather than keep it pristine in the box on our dressing table where it would look perfect every day, I did something that I never thought I'd do. I just wear this lovely ring every day. And um, it has six diamonds in a circle, which represents our family, and one in the middle that uh, is God. And, and it reminds me each and every day that there is not a day that is too difficult to journey through. That's what this ring says to me. And so it's much better being worn and reminding me of that than it is sitting perfectly in its box. We have been entrusted with treasures and opportunities uh, to influence, and one of those spaces is this church. And Marianne's, I think this is sort of like the third season of Marianne's connection with this church. She started off as a theological student here, and um, Brad and her started worshipping as a Parishioner when she was a chaplain at Coomera Anglican College and now uh, as uh, one of our priests here. Um, what have you seen as the treasures of our church? Well, that's a really easy question because I'm looking at them. <laughs> the treasures of our church are the people and um, the people who are online, the people who work in our op shops, the people who serve in um, play group and the staff, the team at Rainbow Town, the people that, that come and bring their giftedness and their, their very selves into the life and community of this church, for me, that's where the treasure is. And the treasure is the way that the Holy Spirit is mobilising and has, has always done, mobilising people to simply be who they are, to be who they are. That's the treasure. And I think it something that we realised uh, the other day is that part of what Jesus calls us to in this passage is being dressed and ready for action is for, as a church, to put our treasures at risk of exposure to the elements. So that means you guys, <laughs> uh, including us, that while at some point in my journey I might have thought that success looked like a full church building. Now I think success looks like a church building that empties on a regular basis and exposes itself to the elements of our world and engages with that in a grace-filled way. Being non-anxious presences in what's going on in our crazy mixed-up world that comes alongside of people, that meets needs, that is challenged by what's going on and is able to respond in godly and meaningful ways. So I think part of our role as leaders is to put you guys at risk. Safely. Safely. <laughs> Safely. As a good Anglican priest should be. Um, Safe, but, safety is a big wide it is, it is. And, but, but I think there's more risk in keeping everybody comfortable because what happens is you stagnate. And God doesn't call a stagnant church, he calls a dynamic church. And 
we are called to be out there in the world, not just a gathered collection of people that we can count up and go, well, how good are we because we can count the numbers? I'm not sure that that's the church that God is calling. No, and I should qualify when I say safe. I'm thinking of that quote from about Aslan that you're yes, that yes. Aslan's not safe, but he's good. It's it's not safe in in the sense of being comfortable, but it's safe in the sense of being held in God's hands wherever um, we go. Yeah. Yeah. So if we are ready for action, what does momentum look like? Interesting that you might ask that because our next series is actually called Momentum. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> but there's a tagline to our series, Momentum. We've called it Momentum Moving with Grace. Because, again, I think part of dealing with change and being dynamic, part of the fear and the ending anxiety is that we can rush to change too quickly. That we can think... The best way of measuring momentum is that we, next Sunday, are absolutely jam-packed to the rafters. I'd love that in one sense. But in another sense, it would do my head in. (laughs) How do I deal with all these people? I know God would give me the strength and the wisdom and the people around me to support that. But momentum that is grace-filled means discerning and deliberately taking a step forward, looking for opportunities and meeting them, seeing situations and placing ourselves in those situations where we can be a non-anxious presence. And so for me, being ready for action is being filled in spaces like these with the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and those around us. But then naming what's gifted about us and using it, not putting it in boxes um, on dressing tables or in cupboards or in church buildings, but letting God lead us out into the world to be agents of grace. I think one of the amazing things that happens when we, when we do share our stories with each other and we are paying attention to the person that, that we're with is that we often find that out of, they're the conversations that then allow momentum. Sometimes it's, it's in the sharing of things that we gain what it is that we need to know what the next step is. So um, a little analogy, as um, Chris and Jackson were working yesterday to uh, put the, the doves up, my um, grandsons were here, and one of them is about to turn four. And so when we got it, it was everything's up, and the scissor lifters cleared away. And he says to me, Nanny, when are the doves going to fly? And I thought that was really a great question. When are the doves going to fly? And I said, well, they are kind of flying because they're up and they're there. But we turned the aircon on and there was a bit of movement and they did (laughs) flutter. But I think that's where we are, isn't it? That our momentum, that that with the the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and and the people around us, that we don't know always where the, the breath is going to come from that will move us forward. But we have the promise 
that we're not to stay where we are, that we are to move and take flight. So let's pray. Loving God, you call us, your church, to not be afraid, not to worry, but to be open to an understanding of the opportunities that you have entrusted to us, the responsibilities that you call us to, and the areas of influence that you cause us to share our gifts, our talents, our grace-filled natures, to become a non-anxious presence. Help us to position ourselves ready for action that we might be ready to serve in surprising ways, not in ways that make us look good or make the world think that we're doing okay, but in ways that glorify your mighty name. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. I'm now going to encourage the worship team to come forward. I don't need much encouragement. Um, And uh, would you please stand as we sing together?